Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Starving Writers Guild podcast. I'm your host, MC. Well, uh, it has been some time since I was able to record again, and we are now shaking things up in the podcast yet again. Imagine that. <laughs> I have now decided to go on a bi-weekly schedule for manga and comics. So, uh, as of this recording, I'm recording this episode, when I'm also going to be recording a later episode in the week, because it's just been that long since I've had a chance to record with all the craziness going on uh, with my family, with life, with job. It's been all over the place. So thank you for your patience. And I know right now, especially, there's been a um, <clears throat> a huge... Uh, oh gosh, what was the word I was looking for? I had, <laughs> you ever just start a thought and then completely lose it in the midst of it? <laughs> oh wow, this is, this is riveting stuff. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh... Uh, one of the reasons I'm doing this is because, you know, there's a huge backlog of episodes that haven't been able to be edited yet, because once again, I mean, John, like me, uh, has had no time to do anything. I mean, the man's been forced to work overtime, uh, he's got to look after his family, all this stuff going on, as well as write, eventually, like, we, on last Saturday, like, the two of us independently sent each other two chapters of stuff, that, like, the first time we've done that in months, it's like we both talked on the phone and be like, oh my gosh, we have not had the time or the, you know, ability to do this in so long. We kind of forgot why I do it. It's like, oh man, this was good. I wish I had more time to keep doing it. But as far as the podcast goes, uh, I want to give him less to edit. So I'm going to be doing a bi-weekly uh, kind of setup. That way he's not swarmed with, you know, episodes over and over again. And it's also good for me too, because that just gives me more time to get other things done in my life. You know, with everything going on. So that's that. That's it for news. Uh, let's see. What have I been watching? Well, I am continuing in the midst of the Ultra series. Let's see, what did I leave you guys off at? Uh, was it uh, Taiga? Yeah, I left you off with Taiga. And, wow, Taiga. Really fun. I can't remember what I said on the last time I recorded. But I, I love where Ultraman Jodius is from. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, from the Ultraman anime. So that was a cool callback to almost, what was it, like 30, yeah, 30 plus years, almost 40. Yeah, probably 40, yeah. Um, so Taiga, really great. I am now in Ultraman Z, and I was not prepared to see Juggler come back. And got to say, that man is a treat. Like, that guy, that actor, I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Just does good work. And I, I like to see the huge character development on his part, too, of, like, wanting to protect things. I mean, there's still that, is he really trying to protect things? But I kind of think he is. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be proven wrong later on. We shall see. <laughs> uh, see, other than that, so I should be able to finish that this week at some point. <clears throat> What else? What else? Uh, haven't really watched too many movies in the past couple of weeks. Well, I did finish Rage of Bahamut today, which uh, uh, I think Rage of Bahamut Genesis is the first one. And like the next one is like Virgin something. <laughs> Lovely title. Uh, that was enjoyable. <laughs> I mean, I have no issue with it, really. It's just kind of, it's a show I watched. And it had some cool visuals. Had to, I mean, it was a compelling enough story in there. It just didn't really, you know, grab me. There's that, of course. 
Oh, uh, now that I'm remembering correctly, I also finished Heavy Object, which in comparison to Rage of Bahamut, I liked a lot more. I mean, I've always been a mecha guy. It's kind of one of my things. I mean, starting with Gundam, Gundam Wing Forever Goes a Kid, all the way to now, for you know, from Gurren Lagann to Voltes V, so on and so forth. Uh, Heavy Object was definitely a shift in the idea of what a mecha series could be, considering it's just these giant spheres going around. But gotta say, I, I love the world building there. I loved uh, some really cool characters there. I mean, other than the excessive use of you know accidental perversion that is just rampant in anime, so you just kind of have to deal with it. I mean, no, nothing really else I have to say on that. So we'll go ahead and we'll move into our discussion for tonight. We have two weeks of comics to discuss, and I'll have to do it again the rest of this week. So yay for me. Uh, we're going to start today with The Amazing Spider-Man. This is issue 88 Beyond, chapter 14. This is written by Zeb Wells. This is drawn by Michael Dowling, Brian Valenza, and Joe Caramagna. Well, well, well. So we start with uh, Janine talking to Ben early in the morning, telling him that, uh, excuse me, not Janine, Maxine, talking about Janine to Ben. <laughs> and he says he doesn't know what happened there. Why would she leave? She tries to go to Marcus as well. And then she addresses uh, the board of Beyond at 9 a.m., uh, telling them that <clears throat> uh, they're telling her that, look, look we're going to have to execute the Halifax Protocol. Uh, no, she's telling them that. Sorry, I'm all over the place today. My bad. She's going to have to uh, execute the Halifax Protocol, which is the point of their second division, right? And they tell her, that division isn't yours, not yet. The assessor, consider this a test. If I fail, I assume full responsibility. Then at 10 o'clock, she initiates it. Says, if this doesn't work, I'm holding you all responsible. And she's told, like, look, we can't do this. Like, it's kind of wild. They talk about the sins of Norman Osborn, which they have managed to collect, and they are now injecting it into, we will later find, is uh, Dr. Kafka, who is now being called the Queen Goblin. And she does look rather menacing, I will say. It's, I mean, it's not exactly what I'm, I'm not a big fan of what they've done with her. But if they're going to do it, she does it look least cool. <laughs> so uh, Maxine goes back to Marcus, says, sorry to keep you waiting. I stopped by the pharma department for a shot of Super 8, or Super, no, Super B. It's one of those days you work toward, and I want to enjoy it. Marcus says, if I'm, I'm still not clear on if I'm allowed to leave. Uh, am I allowed to leave? Our little jailbird has given, the perfect, given me the perfect excuse to execute a product I've been working on for months. But so, so this is about Janine? I told you, I don't know where she is. I know, sweetie, but we do. That's when then flash over to uh, Mary Jane meeting with Glory, Glant, uh, Glory, Glant, <laughs> Glory Grant, uh, who, of course, has worked at the Daily Bugle for years at this point. I think she's moved up in the ranks. It's been a while since I've paid attention to everything going on with her life. Uh, she introduces Janine to her. We then flash over to Ben, uh, who's being talked to by one of the science techs. He had previously, you know, had a, you know, kind of, friendship with, at least starting with it. Um, but uh, he, he's talking to me and says, do you want to make, do want to make you aware of a new villain that's spotted in the area? Want to make sure you're set up in case you run into her. Love that us nerds get to stick it to the bullies now. Ben turns around and says, what? He says, oh, sorry, you used to get bullied in school too, right? I thought you said, Ben says, I'm leaving, you can upload the rest over the air. The guy says, sure, Ben, whatever you say. We go over to Marcus and Maxine. Who asks, uh, she's at the bugle? And that's bad, because whatever's on that drive is bad, right? Maxine says, we find highly moralized words like bad, unproductive for high-level thinking. 
typical corporate crap. <laughs> Have we been doing something unethical here? I'm asking you a question. Like, how did Marcus get this far in the organization and not know this? Like, you know, there's wide-eyed idealism and then there's stupidity. I mean, maybe he just didn't want to know before now. Who knows? And uh, Maxine asks, do you know who Jason Halifax is? Uh, no. Should I? Oh, yes. Yes, you should. He was the CEO of a big oil company, built a super mansion in Broxton, Oklahoma. Rumor had it, some very not funny things were going on at that mansion. There were bodies. The cops taped it off. The oil company prepared a statement. Then Norman Osborne attacked Asgard a mile and a half from his house. The sentry threw a, a tank at Thor, blah blah, lightning devoid, and the Halifax house was wiped off the face of the earth. What happened with the bodies? How did they get there? Who cared? Nobody, because the sentry and Thor. The superhero thing is fun. We get to give back to the community, corporate charity, magazine covers, pats on the back, but we are beyond. We sell products. The superhero division is smoke? A Beyond-branded meta-product that controls the news cycle and can make people, buildings, hopefully continents, eventually disappear. No questions asked. For anyone who needs it and can pay, of course, having it laying around for situations like this doesn't hurt either. But to do what you're talking about, superheroes wouldn't be enough. You'd need villains, too. And she smiles. We see the Queen Goblin being programmed, uh, riding off on her glider as she runs away. I, excuse me, runs away, flies away. Looking very menacing, uh, way more than the character actually named Menace, who kind of sucks. But oh well. Uh, so we start go over to Janine and Mary Jane at the bugle. Janine says, I don't think she believed me. But she believed you, but these are huge allegations. She'll need to run it upstairs, and she's only just begun to grill you. She'll need to drive, and probably a few months to catalog everything. Dot the eyes and cross the... Janine, what are you doing? Checking for bugs, in case Glory, you know... Beyond has a lot of subsidiaries, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Things have been hard for you, yeah? Out there? I think about how hard it is for me and Peter a lot, but you and Ben... It never felt like the world wanted us together. No. It's more than that. Like, maybe the world didn't want us, period. It's funny going to you for help. I spent a lot of time mad at you just for having things we didn't. And then, before anyone can say anything else, uh, the Queen Goblin attacks them, and Mary Jane asks, Are you here for me or her? And Queen Goblin says, Neither. Uh, she's going for the drive... Uh, Maxine then leaves Marcus behind, who is asking if he's being detained. <laughs> and she then sends, uh, asks uh, her text to send Spider-Man in to solve the situation. We go back to Queen Goblin, who says, For years I listened as my whimpering patients cried over horrors long past. I often wonder how a parent could hurt a child. Be so cruel. But now, seeing the two of you cowering in front of me, powerless, I get it. And Mary Jane and Janine are about to run, but Janine goes for the drive, says, you don't get the win. Queen Goblin says, I'm not looking to win. I just want to see your brain. And before that, uh, Ben then uses his web shooters to attack her like a middle mace, I believe. Yeah, it looks like a, a mace. And then he says, uh, I wanted to say something outrageous for my big entrance, but that brain comment really killed the vibe. Just way too far. And Queen Goblin says, Ben, I, I know you. Clifford, right? Pretty? Pretty sure that's it. Definitely, I'm, because I'm definitely looking for, at a big red dog. King Gumpus says, you were never funny. Okay, yeah, I guess that was more mean, but you have to admit, it was funnier than this as he socks her under the jaw. He says, okay, you got me. These are kind of cool as she uses these little um, triangular, almost bird-like talon things to attack him with. 
Uh, Janine is about to be attacked, but Ben then webs her away, leaving the drive there on the ground, which the Queen Goblin smashes. And he then throws a desk at her, says, you're safe now, Janine, I'm getting you out of here. Uh, but he's not talking to Mary Jane, who says, guys, she's getting up. Janine asks, are you going to do something? Ben says, eh, the way I see it, that's not our problem. And Maxine says, wait, what did he say? Ben, what do you mean? She's dangerous. You're right, we better get out of here. She yells out his name, and Mary Jane goes, he, he just left. And Queen Goblin says, don't worry, I'm still here. So, wow, uh, imagine that, trying to mind wipe someone and making them feel worthless. Kind of makes them want to, you know, become evil. Not evil necessarily, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, not as caring. More selfish. So Ben's only looking after his own. Well, well done, Maxine. Uh, so we'll move on from there. And I'm not going to really discuss this one too much because I, I just it just didn't jive with me. Uh, this is issue uh, 88.0, Enter the Slingers. This is written by Jeffrey Thorne. This is drawn by uh, Jan Bezeldua, Jim Toe, Jim Campbell, and Joe Caramagna. So I will go for the sake of uh, just kind of discussing uh, the synopsis for a bit, just to move things along, because like I said, it, I didn't really feel this side issue here, and it wasn't, you know, the Prowler's fault. I mean, I actually really like the Prowler. It's just the kind of... It's all over the place. And I actually kind of like the Slingers, too. But I don't know, I just wasn't feeling it. So we get some flashbacks of the Prowler uh, during the events of King in Black, uh, stopping some symbiotes. And he has gone into, which I didn't know this had happened. I guess I missed this issue. He wasn't working as the Prowler. He was working as Hornet, who, if you remember, was one of these suits created by uh, Spider-Man during the midst of, I think it was... Identity Crisis was the name of the story, where, you know, he had been uh, wrongfully seen as murdering a local thug, so he went his four different costumes to try and prove his innocence. So there's that. Uh, somehow the uh, Hobie has gotten a hold of this, so there's that. That's lovely, I suppose. I mean, I prefer him as the Prowler, but I guess with Uncle Aaron, uh, Morales, no, but no, uh, Davis, uh, as you know, the Prowler now that the Ultimate Universe, that part of it at least, has been merged with, you know, six one six. They don't want him in that anymore. So, whatever. So, we go through his company of how you know he had, you know, tried to make things better. Was working doing charity work over, over this time, but he gets bought out. His company is gone, but he does get some money. Gets $15 million from it. Which then says, well, I'm going to use that to make a new company. But in the process, he learns that Beyond is behind some of the shifty stuff. Which eventually leads him to uh, Ricochet and Dusk. Who I believe are still the originals who picked those costumes up after Peter. I'm not 100% on that. Don't sue me. And they find a lot of things through Beyond shenanigans. And he's offered a job at Beyond. If that sounds like I didn't care, it's because I really don't. Which is a shame, because Hobie has been a character who's been around for years. And I've always really loved him. I mean, my introduction to him was the, the 90s cartoon. And um, you just seeing him. He was, I think it's a cool costume. He had a cool look. Um, a cool 
motivation as well. It's like a former criminal turned, you know, superhero. Like, I was all for that. Uh, and um, obviously he's not been the most popular character in Marvel over the years, so they don't really know what to do with him. And it's a clear sign they don't know what they're going to do with him. So we'll ignore all of that. And we will move on to, let's see, The Avengers. This will be issue 53. Uh, the Death Hunters, Part 3, The Vivisection of Avengers Mountain. This is written by Jason Aaron. This is drawn by Juan Fregari, uh, David Curiel, and Tori Petit. So we start with some narration by Child Thanos. who says, at first I only use animals. I disassembled them to see for myself how they function. As one might a clock, except clocks do not scream when you remove their insides. I know the feeble-minded will look upon my work and see only butchery for butchery's sake. But I assure you, I am, in every fiber of my being, a scientist one whose hunger for knowledge is voracious. The transition from animals to people was surprisingly seamless. No doubt it helped that the Eternals of Titan are complete and utter wastes of carbon. I had vivisected four or five of them before something profound dawned on me. At last I understood why the Celestials had bothered to create such two-legged troglodytes in the first place. They existed solely for my edification. Everyone I'd ever known, they were tools, my tools, to aid in my becoming. After that realization, any last lingering sense of childish shame fell away like scales from my eyes. But to my consternation, my questions remain. Despite my best and bloodiest efforts, I found no, uh, no answers, no clues to my true purpose, to why I was born, a supernova surrounded by candles. Eventually, I had nowhere else left to look. That's how I came to murder my mother. This was right before you appeared to me, Doom, and invited me on this crusade of yours through time and space. I've had my own time travel dalliances, of course, jaunts to the prehistoric past in the hopes of annihilating the great celestial blunder that is life on Earth. You know, rambunctious boyhood stuff. But when you found me, just after I had, well, it seemed time I put away childish things for good. Though I can't seem to rid myself of her leavings. I've even tried hydrochloric acid, but I swear the blood is still there. I, I've never told any of this to anyone. And Doom Supreme says, You tell everyone that you murdered your mother, Thanos, incessantly? These spells require my full concentration. One of the others, the sticky one, he said you had once sacrificed some, someone precious to you. He said your, your armor is forged your lover's skin. Tell me, Victor. What did you know it was worth it, what you'd done? I know every morn. When I wake up and remember that I am doomed. Be ready, Titan. The assault begins. So the two of them are now assaulting Avengers Mountain. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Deathlock is explaining things to the Black Panther. Telling him that, no, they're the Avenger of all Avengers. Who sent the Deathlocks to warn the multiverse, talking about Avengers Prime. Uh, from the tower at Infinity's End. They said, you above all others, others would know we speak truth because because the dead cannot lie to their king. I'll give you whatever you need. Let's go. And he's talking to Namor and Valkyrie says, the other Avengers aren't responding to comms. Deathlock says, they're under attack themselves from Doom's master of, uh, Masters of Evil. Then we're on our own. Namor says, we? <laughs> Typical Namor fashion. Black Panther says, uh, Valkyrie, Thor and Captain America speak highly of you. Your assistance would be welcome. She says, my all-weapon is yours, Black Panther. And T'Challa says, and as for you, Namor, Namor says, I didn't come here to bicker like seagulls over mackerel. Your roof is caving in on our heads. Your helicarriers are falling to the sea, my sea. Just point me in the direction of someone who I can lay my hands upon with the most violent disregard for their well-being. Then Thanos appears on his little hovering whatever this is. Says, Deathlock and all inhabitants of this god corpse, submit yourselves to the will of Thanos and prepare to be slaughtered for science. Then uh, Namor immediately rushes at him and says, Imperious Rex, you snot-nosed sadist. 
hits him in the head and forces him backward. Valkyrie flies ahead as the Black Panther is now going through a ritual. Uh, Doom then attacks some of the Deathlocks, says, You and your kind suffer for nothing, Deathlock. Fly away. Doom sometimes fast, which allows him to fly away. Uh, Valkyrie then confronts Doom. Doom tries to hit her with a necromantic blast, but yeah, seeing that she's the Valkyrie, it doesn't as we go over to Namor uh, being, uh, attacking Thanos, Thanos is able to hit him with like a scalpel or something. Uh, we go back over to Doom and Valkyrie, who's, uh, Doom says, Where I come from, entire civilizations take their own lives at the mere whisper of my name. Planets immolate themselves at word of my passing. I do, do not simply wield the powers of death, woman. I am death. I am your master, Valkyrie, you chooser of the slain, who was chosen poorly. As he tries to take her vitality away, we see her back to her... Uh, dealing with the uh, cancer inside of her body. Your cancer hears the call of doom, Jane Foster, and longs to cast aside the chains of remission. But then her horse attacks him. We go back over to uh, Thanos and Namor. Who Thanos is going to try and do an autopsy on the Celestial. Then Black Panther appears in uh, kind of a red panther form, with uh, looking pretty awesome, by the way. He says, I'll tell you when you've had enough doom. We get thrice black... Uh, Breath, God, 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 blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I cannot speak today for the life of me. Hope you're enjoying my misery. That's why you tune in, right? Uh, Thrice blessed vibranium dombe boxing cords, stones from the Wakandan necropolis, armor of metallicized orisha blood, anti-magic defense protocols complete. The Red Panther is now activated. A uh, punches Doom in the face. Uh, one of the Deathlocks tries to get things done. Uh, Valkyrie gets her weapon back. Uh, Namor takes out the uh, knife or scalpel that had been in his head, uh, his neck, and then punches Thanos out of the Celestial. Jim says, we've wasted enough time on this Earth. Thanos, we are done here. But before anyone can stop them, they leave. And Thanos tells uh, Namor, says, stay alive, Atlantean. Stay alive until I can kill you. So we get some narration. You are afraid of what happens when you die. Because you are God and you know. After everything you have done, everything you have failed to do, when God dies, God goes to hell. Which, uh, not really sure about the logic of that, but sure. As we've seen, that there have been a bunch of blah up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My gosh, I cannot speak today. <laughs> it's so awful. Oh my gosh, uh, there are a bunch of bombs that are now blowing up Avengers Mountain. Uh, to be contundered. <laughs> that one was intentional. Uh, so, uh, I gotta say, this is a fine issue from Jason Aaron. Um, as much as I like to rag on him, I, I enjoyed this. I mean, I, I still think Kid Thanos is a little hokey. I mean, especially for a hokey medium like comics. <laughs> but, you know, seeing the Avengers Mountain being destroyed... That's a huge game changer there. I still love the addition of Valkyrie and Namor to the Avenging ranks. Like it just that just works for me. Alright then, so we will move from there to this will be Devil's Reign. This is issue four, if I'm yep, issue four of Devil's Reign. Uh this is written by Chip Zdarsky. This is drawn by Marco Chiquetto, Marcio Minez, and Clayton Coles. So we get two weeks later at the start. We get narration from Daredevil. Maybe we went too far. Forgot that our actions have ramifications on the people we save. We turn our noses up at the laws to do it. Now we're all being punished for that as he sees a bunch of uh, sensor drones in the area. And it's in these under siege as a result. 
The laws are for all, the consequences for all. Two weeks ago, in the middle of Fist's war against us, he unleashed his anti-crime drones. Impenetrable, unhackable, otherworldly. They fly through the city with their eyes, thousands of them, hunting anyone who dares ignore Fist's zero-tolerance policies. The heroes are underground. The people cower. No freedom, no crimes. The city is afraid. But you forgot, Fisk. You forgot who I am. I'm the man without fear. And we go over to Fisk talking to Doc Ock, who says, It's election season. Shouldn't you be out campaigning? All right, why would you need to do that? The city is crime-free, and you're using the purple man's powers of persuasion on it. As he makes himself a drink, says, Otto, care for a scotch, to uh, Otto Wolverine. Says, I only care for a 15-year-old single malt. Oh, I know, I wouldn't subject us to anything else. Excellent. <laughs> Kingpin says, I almost admire your swing, Octavius, but it's a swing that you failed to land. If you were going to come for me, why not come for the crown? And Octavius says, you've always been obsessed with power, Wilson. I'm happy to have you sit in a useless seat to shake hands and kiss babies, but I, I make the world better, safer, and I couldn't have done it without you. Richard's lab yielded marvelous things, a multiverse of help, of inventions that made my octobots possible. And uh, <clears throat> Wolverine, Ox says, oh, Mrs. Fisk is coming. I can smell her perfume. Cheap, low class. <laughs> Well, then we should go. She's the violent type, and we don't, we don't want to have to kill her. And I almost forgot why I came. I wanted to deliver the news in person, Wilson. Crime is down, which means we've arrested your criminal's son. Let's go over to the hospital, where Foggy, after he'd been attacked last issue, was talking to Daredevil. Uh, Mike Murdock is there to pretend to be Matt to visit his friend, but Daredevil and him keep arguing over everything, so Mike leaves. Uh, Kirsten then appears and actually kisses uh, Matt, you know, they've had a huge history together. As we did move on to Kingpin talking to his Thunderbolts, saying, bring me the children. Wesley will give you trackers to hone in on their purple energy signatures. And U.S. Agent says, yeah, of course, but what did these kids do? I've got no problem upholding the law, Mayor Fisk. I just want to make sure that that's what we're doing here. Which, I gotta say, like this is kind of a regression for John Walker. Um... He's always been one of those people who are, I'm going to follow the government, I'm going to follow the law. Like, he has learned over time not to be as rigid in that sense. So, I mean, I get kind of get why he's here, but at the same time, it feels like a regression to me. But I'll move on from that. And Kingpin says, you'll do as I say, Mr. Walker. And we know that he's been commanded because the text has now changed to purple. And U.S. agent says, of course, sir. Typhoid Mary then talks to him says, you should have let me handle this. Mary, we've been over this. I'm not your porcelain doll now that we're married, Wilson. I want to fight, to protect you. And you will, my dear. We'll fight together. Every last one of them. As we didn't go over to, uh, I think, is it the raft that they're at? No, they're somewhere else. I can't remember. There's a guardsman there that Sue is able to steal the card of because she's able to turn invisible because Reed had designed these power dampening collars for the Superhuman Registration Act. And he put fail-safes in, and they're now... <laughs> As he's explaining this, she says, just shut up. He says, gladly, what's the plan, my love? It's time for a breakout. And Moon Knight has uh, managed to get out as well. He says, I've lost my quiet touch in here. And he takes him down. As he gear off screen, it's okay, Moon Knight. I'm sure we'll have opportunities to sharpen our skills again. Tony, you good to fight? Because Tony, of course, was replaced by the chameleon, so he's been in prison this whole time. And they now lead a jailbreak. So we go over to Kingman, uh, Kingman, Kingpin, talking to Butch. So, uh, Butch essentially tells him, like, look, you were never really my dad. I don't care. 
opponent. So t stop trying to be one right now. As we then flash over to the champions, which uh, we see Ironheart and Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel managed to save her, going through the typical like Reed Richards pose of making herself inflatably big, <laughs> inflatably big, to use her stretchiness to stop her from hitting a wall. As uh, we get ah, for the last time, I ain't here to fight you. The Rhino is attacking. Uh, seemingly the champions, but they seem to have attacked him first, actually. And Miles says, sure thing, Officer Rhino. And this is uh, Vig, Vig, Vision. Says, I predict we have 49 seconds until drones pass through here. And Miles says, let's shut him down fast, in champions. This is, but Rhino then says, stop, grabs Miles, and says, I'm on your side. But then why the badge? Why? Oh, man, we do not need... And the Rhino slaps a badge of the Thunderbolts on there to Miles and to the rest of them. Tells them to put them on, but the drones then leave them alone because they're wearing the badges. As we get uh, Sam Alexander Nova asking, what, what just happened? Rhino says, the drones know not to attack anyone with a badge. It's like Wi-Fi or whatever. I told you I wasn't here to fight. Miles asks, so why are you here? Look, kid, you know me. I ain't a bad guy. This was a good-paying, lawful gig. But the mayor, he, he wanted me to go after some kids. Not you guys, other kids. Kids who hadn't done anything wrong. But that ain't me. I just wanted to tell someone, one of you hero types. And this is actually a good callback to earlier in the Miles Morales series. He and uh, Spider-Man had worked together on a case to uh, defend some kids. So they actually kind of established not really a friendship, but like a respect for one another. So I love this callback, even though it's not explicitly called out uh, with the, uh, what you call them, little narrative boxes. <laughs> so Miles says, wait, what kids? And then he goes back to the Avengers and tells them, <clears throat> you know, I know it might, might not be the brightest bulb, but I believe Rhino. This isn't a trap. Fisk is going after the purple man's children, and apparently they're in town. And Cap asks, kidnap kids to what ends? And She-Hulk says, power. Right now he's only able to subtly ma manipulate the population. If he gets to children, Luke Cage finishes, he wins the election in the minds of a city. Jessica Jones says, I'm sick of this. These men controlling us, making us hide like rats. And now they're after children? Where are your teammates? Miles says, lying low in Brooklyn. Why? Because they're drafted. We're going to find those kids, and if Fisk or Otto or anyone gets in my way, I'm going to end them. We get a, uh, a scene between Mary and Kingpin. Uh, <clears throat> where uh, he actually uses the Purple Man's powers on her to make her uh, remember everything that she had gone through and he, he had been holding on to the cane when he did so he says Mary I didn't mean to the cane and she says no don't be I remember what a gift that that power it's remarkable I had no idea I could do that neither did I and he looks at the cane and says honey and she says honey he says in narration he says I need air space the weight of years is crushing me the weight of that hate that I so desperately need to let go of any absolute disaster. So in the midst of this, he goes outside into the rain as lightning is going on. Uh, he says, remember. And he kneels down on the ground and he says, Matt Murdock. <laughs> so he has willed himself to remember Daredevil's name. Uh, wow. What a twist. <laughs> I am so ready for this. Devil's Reign has not failed. I mean, I've had my minor gripes along the way, but I I'm really enjoying this. 
and the Kingpin remembering Matt's identity is one of the worst possible things that can happen here, and I am all there for it. <laughs> oh, what a delight. What an absolute delight. So we'll move on uh, from there to uh, Maestro, World War M. This is issue one, The Last Dance. This is written by Peter David, drawn by German uh, Peralta, Pasquale Ferry, Jesus Arpitov, Matt Hollingsworth, and Ariana Marr. So previously, uh, in this post-apocalyptic setting, uh, excuse me, uh, Maestro had started taking over things. Hercules had actually been kind of the maestro of that time as well. Then he killed him, took over his position. And we go through this scene where uh, the Abomination is seemingly in control of Bruce Banner. But in the midst of that, he is attacked by the maestro, who he uh, then beats up and takes away his wife and then snaps her neck. Because if I remember correctly, in one, didn't the Abomination kill Betty at some point in time? I mean, with all the 60-plus years of comics, how could I ever remember anything? Uh, but before anything, uh, we didn't see Modoc appear after Emil is holding on to his wife, who tells him he goes by the name Maestro. You once knew him as the Hulk, but he hasn't gone by that name in a while. You, you're Modoc. Yes. I once killed you a long time ago. As with most such endeavors in our world, it didn't quite take. I need you to be quiet now. I have a good deal to tell you, and only seconds with, within which to do it. This entire engagement thus far has only taken one second, but when missiles are closing in on you, time has a tendency to tick down rather quickly. Uh, missiles? I don't understand. Yes, I am well aware of that. Listen carefully to me, and I will explain as expeditiously as I can. The world in which you are living, it isn't real. It's a computer construction, a simulation. The, world, the real world has fallen into post-apocalyptic waste, and you are being preserved within an AIM stronghold. I, I don't believe... What in the, as the scene around him kind of changes to the real one. And Murdoch says, Missiles are at this moment coming right at us. I assume the Maestro is responsible. They will destroy the space and me and everyone within. What? What do you want from me? And Murdoch says, Vengeance, as he is destroyed in the real world and his virtual form is taken as well. We didn't see several really cool panels of the Abomination ripping out of the dirt to see a destroyed uh, California with uh, the Hulk sign instead of Hollywood. And you get narration from him. He should have let me die. That Modoc should have just let me die in my oblivion. I don't know what year it is or even if years matter anymore. I don't know what humanity did to wipe itself off if one of my colleagues was behind it. All I know is that I have been walking for hours with no clear idea of where I'm going. What a metaphor for the rest of my life. My life. Until hours ago, I thought I was a high-ranking KGB official. And now I am awake to discover that I am... Nothing? 5,000 miles from here to Russia, and even if I could traverse that distance, what would I find? Probably more like this. More nothing. Like me, as he is stopped by a pier near like an old amusement park, and he sees some bubbling in the water, as some Atlanteans come out and say, There he is! And you will come with us! He says, Why should I do that? As they pull guns on him, says, Yes, who are you? It is not your place to ask questions. It is your place to obey. He's shot. He says, Gentlemen, I am not having the best day, and you're hardly improving it. He starts uh, hitting them. They call after him. These guys are really starting to piss me off. And he takes one of the Ferris wheels nearby and rolls it up and says, Here, consider this a souvenir. They barely get out of the way. He then arrives from the water to attack the leader. He says, Now, let's start over. 
The rest of you want me to fry your boss here? By all means, keep on coming. Otherwise, stay right where you are. As he pulls a gun on him, says, And you, big shot, why do you want me to go with you? Well, we were ordered to capture you. We've been monitoring this area in the event you should appear, and, all, and that is all we know. Who ordered you? You get a voice off screen that says, I did. But not to capture you. They were supposed to capture the Hulk. As we see an older Namor with a really nice stash saying, You are not the Hulk. I have no idea who you are. This is all a misunderstanding. You're Namor, the Submariner. You look good, I suppose. I have no idea how much time has passed since what I'd call my own time. Decades. Couldn't tell from looking at you. I remind you, I was 85 when the century turned. I do not age as you do, and you are? Emil Blonsky, though some call me the Abomination. But not a flattery, I assume. Can you breathe underwater, Emil? No. Take this, as he sends him a pill. It will enable you to do so. Then you can accompany me to my home. Why should I? Are you doing anything else? No, as he eats it. I swallows it. Uh, by the way, I understand he's not called the Hulk anymore. Yes, that's correct. He goes by... Maestro, as we, uh, the minister, talking to Maestro, to the Maestro in Dystopia, who asks, can I safely assume that Dr. Doom is disposed of? Who got away? Ah, I see, how unfortunate. Any idea where, that very, I assume. Are you going to pursue him? Across the ocean? Unlikely. Let him rot there for all I care, as long as he stays out of my way. We see Doom being carted off by one of his servants in a wheelchair. He's got his arm in a cast and a sling. He then tries to talk to Rick, Rick Jones who, uh, for those of you from the future and perfect storyline, know that he's in his underground bunker where he has uh, taken all of these souvenirs from past Marvel heroes and villains. But he's still addled from age, so he's not able to discuss things with Doom properly. We didn't see the minister uh, talking to Namor uh, on his own, secretly, and says he's on his way. You're certain this time? My squads have been patrolling for... Yes, I am certain. He said he wants to inspect the site of AIM's destruction. He wants to make sure they are truly disposed of. And he is flying out here. In a sense, he's leaping. You have time. Even at his speed, it will take him some hours. Probably won't arrive before morning. We'll be ready. Good work, Toro. He says, thank you, Namor. We'll go back to Atlantis. So he says, so, Emil, has my family brought you up to date? They have. Thank you, uh, Namu. And I'm sorry, what your name is? Leonard. Leonard, not the most Atlantean name. It was my father's name. So humanity managed to wipe itself out, did it? It was a long time coming. Fortunately, enough of my cities proved to be immune to their radioactive fallout. Cities? Yes, I have several. This one is actually called Pacifica. Uh, the maestro's con activities concern me. Humanity is wiped out, and I'd prefer to keep it that way. So what's the problem? He wants to return humanity's dom domination with himself in charge, and I'm going to stop him. With what? To begin with, this. Says, is that... Yes, an old friend, as it looks to appear to be the original Human Torch. Uh, the android created in World War II. You see the maestro land uh, on the on the site of the attack. As he sees, uh, he's attacked by uh, heat blasts. Says, I don't believe it. How the hell are you still alive, Johnny? He says, the name's not Johnny, it's Jim. You can call me the Human Torch. As he blasts him with fire, says, huh. He then uh, uses the Hulk clap to get rid of the flames, says, huh, you really aren't Johnny Storm. Doesn't matter. In a second, there won't be anything left of you. Tries to punch him, but he then gets away. Uh, Jim Hammond then uses his Nova Flame. Oh, Maestro says, bring it on, as it ripples through the entire city, burning everything. Maestro manages to survive. Jim Hammond then flies away into the ocean, as Maestro says, okay then, round two. 
So I'm a huge fan of the Future Imperfect storyline. I'm a big Peter David fan as well. I mean, the work he's done on Spider-Man, The Incredible Hulk, uh, even uh, X-Factor, a series of characters I don't care that much about. Like, he made me care. <laughs> and, you know, the, the addendums to, or the prequels to the Future Imperfect series, uh, gotta say, he's done a really great job on them. I, I really, really like to see the, the start of where, you know, the Hulk came into, <clears throat> you know, the world and started making it his, making dystopia his. So, excellent story. I'm looking forward to the rest of what this series has to offer. So we move on from there to X Lives of Wolverine, issue number two, Forgotten Past. This is written by Benjamin Percy, drawn by Joshua Cassara, Frank Martin, and Corey Petit. We start with Logan in northern Canada in the year 1900. He's fighting off a polar bear. And it looks like a, a cage match of sorts. And talks to Gene about how he needs to leave and help Xavier. We then flash over to uh, Jasmine Falls, Japan. Which an odd name for a Japanese city. Maybe a location. He is uh, with Itsu. Who, for those of you who don't know, is the mother of... Dokken. They're in a loving embrace, but as is quite often for this series happening, Omega Red then takes over her body to try and kill him. We then flash over again to elsewhere. Previously, they were in Colombia on a mission with uh, for Weapon H. And we get to uh, see Sabretooth and was it Shatterstar? I-, I can't remember names. Or no, Maverick. Maverick. Uh, Wolverine and runs off, says, tell me what I'm running into as Jean is contacting him telepathically. She says, Charles is here as part of a larger coalition. They hope to save the Amazon rainforest and the indigenous cultures that are being extinguished by deforestation. There will be press, diplomats, environmentalists, anthropologists, and tribal representatives. Multiple threats in close proximity. You have six hours to... Logan's what's wrong? He says, I didn't remember at first, but I remember now. Seeing the lab, it busted open a lock in my brain. After we destroy it, we go after the surrounding villages, too. Hundreds of villagers mowed down. Mass graves, burn piles. We were supposed to send a message. Fear America more than you fear the cartel. Logan, you can't stop running. You c- and you can't stop T-Max and save Xavier at the same time. You don't understand, Jeannie. This version of myself is the one I hate the most. I did bad things. Unforgivable things. I don't know how many times or ways I need to say this, but there are consequences to everything you do here. Yeah, and I've been living the, I've been the one living them. So we go back to uh, in the recent past in Moscow. Uh, Wolverine and Domino and Omega Red are entering through a Krakoan gate there. As once again, Michael Rasputin has now overtaken uh, Omega Red's body with his powers to try and you know mess with him so that he can. Uh, convert Omega Red to his purposes. We go back to 1900 in northern Canada. So we get uh, Captain Xavier leading a ship in the middle of the wasteland as he's about to be attacked by one of his crew members. But uh, as well, it seems like <clears throat> uh, he has managed to cause a mutiny in the midst of this. As we go back over, once again, this is all over the place, so I apologize if you're like, what, 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 what where are we at? <laughs> to South America. Wolverine then shoots at Sabretooth and Maverick says, I've done what I've done. There's no tanking it back, but I can take a stab at it and stab Sabretooth in the gut. 
with his claws. Uh, Maverick says, I don't get it. We're a team, man. You're better than this, Maverick. You going to kill me? No. The cartel, they know there's trouble brewing. They'll be heading this way. You're just going to leave me here? You've always been a survivor. Get out of the game while you can. And uh, Sabretooth is t contacting someone over comms. says, Professor, do you read? The mission has gone to hell and Wolverine has gone AWOL. This is the professor. Are you ex requesting extraction? Not requesting nothing. I'm telling you, I'm going to kill Wolverine. So back to him and Itsu, as they are both naked after what they had been through. She's trying to kill him. And uh, Wolverine is realizing that he can't do it to her. Because if he does it to her, Dokken is not going to live. And, and despite their animosity, he does love Dokken. So that is the end of the issue. Which will then take us to X Deaths of Wolverine. Dead Run. This is written by uh, Benjamin Percy. This is drawn by uh, Federico Vincentini, Dijo Lima, and Corey Petit. Moira is in Oklahoma. Uh, Steely dealing with the uh, cancer in her body. She then robs a convenience store. Uh, she talks to Jane Foster about everything that's going on with her. With uh, the cancer coming back. But... Moira had used a burner phone to contact her in the first place. She throws it out. It gets destroyed because she's afraid of Mystique finding her. She can, and the bad news from Valkyrie isn't helping her either. We see a bunch of people who are fishing uh, fishing for a shark, but uh, the shark is killed, and they find the uh, phalanx-enhanced Wolverine come onto the ship who then kills everyone there outside of one who, what, excuse me, doesn't kill all of them. He managed to send some of them overboard. <clears throat> so it's weird that he's not killing them. I had forgotten all about this. So I, I don't know if that's, he's just super focused on the mission, or maybe he doesn't want to kill humanity for some reason, which is weird because he's machine-enhanced. Who knows? We go over to New Mexico, where Moira is remembering the past. She's drinking herself into oblivion. And a older gentleman appears asking about saying, oh, you know, my daughter was here. If you could tell me. And the clerk says, you look, 50 bucks a night, cash only. Here's twice that. And the extra is for you, my good man. Now, as for my daughter, she's traveling alone, and I'll take your money, old man, but I ain't telling you anything. Oh, I think you will. Everybody talks eventually. It's just a matter of how many bones they want broken, as this is obviously mystique in disguise. Moira. Uh, this, I shouldn't have laughed. This is darkly funny. Uh, has brought an iron and has plugged it in. She's filled her bath with water and booze, and she's now drinking herself. She's about to set it on fire. She's uh, lit a, knight, a knife uh, to help cauterize the wound she's about to cause, and she cuts off her phalanx arm uh, that had been gifted by Warlock. Uh, Mystique is torturing the clerk, and goes into the room where Moira was, but she finds the uh, decapitated is the wrong word because that's specifically for head, right? The cut off arm, we'll say for that. And <clears throat> uh, blows up the room instead. Uh, excuse me, no, this is uh, Moira had left the time bomb there to blow it up, hopefully trying to kill Mystique. So we go back to Kokoa as Destiny is saying, I wonder that this would likely come to pass. But Raven was certain enough in herself to see the future as negotiable. I hate being right, my love, but a sense that all may not be lost. A figure keeps materializing in my mind. A man in black. 
death himself, as she has seen the phalanx-enhanced Wolverine. So, uh, I'm going to go ahead and apologize for this episode. It's kind of choppy there were for multiple reasons. I don't know why. My mic just kind of stopped recording. Uh, I, I really don't know how this works. So, my bad, people. Um, there were also a couple comments I had, uh, had to put on here for time's sake. So, maybe I'll cover them again later on. Uh, thank you for wrestling with this process with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the people who've been kind enough to reach out. Uh, it really means a lot. Um, so, elsewhere, well, I think we're going to end. Uh, we are the Starving Writers Guild. We are writers helping other writers uh, to help publish their own works. You can find us at starvingwritersguild.com. You can find our works there on the website as well as on Amazon.com. We are MC Ashley, uh, John Transylvania, and Barbara Page. Please feel free to leave us a five-star review to help us get the word out there about the podcast. I'm also on uh, Twitter. We're the Starving Writers Guild podcast there. I've had some real good engagements there. A lot of good fun with people. So uh, until next time, see ya.